0: We're back to the Neil Haley Show here and also the Media Giant Effect. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Dalal Akuri. Dr. Dalal, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest today.
1: Wow. Wow. What? That is exciting. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here with both of you today. Um, So um, I'd love to be introducing you, Michael Learned. Um, I am excited to introduce our guest, Michael Leonard today. You are incredible. You are you're a four-time Emmy winner um, and for, for the best hit TV show, The Waltons. And you're currently now the the, the, the grandmother of the dammer, the monster.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean,
1: it's incredible. And um, I am so happy that you're here with us today. I really am. And uh, we're, we're also celebrating those 50th anniversary today I mean, is it today or when is it exactly for the Waltons?
2: Well, I I we're we're getting together on Wednesday. The the, the, the Waltons kids and I kids, they're they're adults now with their own kids, but um wow. yeah, we're all getting together on the 17th. Can
1: at you really believe that at the Hollywood
2: Museum? Yeah.
1: Is it so uh, can you that. imagine that?
2: Yeah, no, yes, I can, because we've (laughs) been very close all these years, you know, so we are like a second family for each other.
1: Great. Mm -hmm. Well, I I wanted to ask you, how did you really feel about that audition of being the the damer grandmother? How how did it feel? What made you decide that this is a role you would love to play? Because it must have been hard.
2: Well, it's a job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> an actor, that. and if a job comes along, man, we take it. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on here. Um,
0: no worries. No. You
1: look beautiful. It,
0: absolutely. So, oh, what yeah. I was going to ask you also is, you know, when you took the 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 gig, it just had to have been something where, okay, this is a role, but ultimately, to think of Jeffrey Dahmer and to play, we didn't know that backstory of the grandmother at all you know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, challenging role, especially with, you know, the thought process and all that. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Well, I did, I tried to do research on her, but there was nothing really. There were some pictures, home movies of her. So I got a sense of what she, how she held herself and everything, but, um, and she loved cats. She seemed to always have a cat and, um, you know, there's really nothing about her, but I do have a grandson, uh, too, actually, that I love very much. So I could relate to, uh, to that, and that's what I played. And and Evan Peters, in our scenes, was so lovable; it wasn't hard to to love him. And she was in total denial about what he was doing. I mean, if I was smelling, an odor of a decaying body coming up from my basement, I would go downstairs and check it out. I, Michael. And she apparently never did. So um, she just kind of didn't want to see what she didn't want to see. And I can understand that too.
0: Definitely. And, you know, you think about that, and I'm going to go to Dr. Dalal about this as well, is that you, you think about specifically enough, enough about this, Michael, is that, yeah, she was denying that because of all the time that Dahmer was performing experiences, chi- experiments as a child. So, you know, you could have animal smell that could be semi that smell, but she just didn't want to know about his lifestyle, understand his lifestyle. At that time, people just didn't want to talk about that type
2: of lifestyle, meaning like no. in the community. Of the she album. didn't. Anyway, she didn't. Um, And and I, I guess it worked for her. I mean, it wouldn't work for me. I'd say, what's what's going on down there? I'm going down to check it out. And but for her, I guess she just uh somehow I, I mean, this is a TV show. So I don't know in real life whether Catherine Dahmer, uh, you know, whether she actually investigated or didn't. I, I doubt that she did. I think she was really not wanting to see. And I can, I mean, you can't, I couldn't believe that of any of my grandsons, uh, you know, I, I I would be in total denial. And if somebody came and told me that, I wouldn't believe them. I would not believe it. Because so I love my believe, grandkids. You know.
1: <laughs> so you believe really that absolute love she had could have blinded her? Or did she really was she that innocent and she really did not even think about it or what, what when, by you acting her role, how did you ask you, what question did you ask yourself in order for you to be able to, you know, ignore the fact that there is a smell or ignore the fact that there is something suspicious. Is it, is it infinite love? Is it, is it, blinding yourself or what would you think i mean it's hard to really think what other people feel and think but in your heart what do you think could have happened there
2: i remember my young son lucas when he was about maybe five or six and he came to me and he said mom if if i killed somebody would you turn me in Oh, man! When a kid asks you that question, you go, oh, God, please put the right words in my mouth. And I said, I had to think about it. And I said, Lucas, I, I would turn you in, but I'd come and visit you every day.
1: Wow. So, that's power. I mean, that's that was a, a very- good
2: answer. Don't you think? It was God driven. <laughs> but, you know, I'd come in, I'd still love you, but I wouldn't let you go on doing what you were doing. So that kind of denial that Catherine Dahmer was in, I, I guess worked for her, but it wouldn't work for me.
0: It definitely wouldn't work in in that thought process. What has been the feedback, especially the audience that loves you in the Waltons playing this role? Was it a surprise to people? Because, you know, people, <laughs> uh, how many generations of Walton fans are out there and then they're saying, there is,
2: what's going on here? You know, well, I mean? You know, yeah. our scenes together are really very sweet. They are <laughs> truly, they are. We're not uh, there's nothing uh, nasty about the her 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 relationship with her grandson. She's just in complete denial. She just doesn't want, to, I mean, he's dragging up a garbage bag full of body parts and she somehow goes, what if that's male. And she doesn't want to know. and um, if it worked for her, good, but it, it just wouldn't work for me. I I, I mean, she must have somewhere had a sense that oh yeah you maybe should lose lose
0: a little bit of her understanding and things we just don't know that backstory and that's what's amazing about this show is that there was another movie on Dahmer's life that was a movie that was pretty well portrayed in certain parts but really you got the full picture from this from this series and in so many ways that's what I was blown away by I haven't finished it I was watching it On vacation and didn't get to it I have to finish up because uh it changes the trajectory of it in the storylines because it's going through three different storylines throughout and that's makes it interesting right in a lot of ways it reminds me of something that's not as morbid with young rock that you you know uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson's producing with the on NBC where they show his life in three different phases that's almost what they did with Jeffrey and that kind of gave you a perspective of why he became who he was <clears throat> right
1: that is correct have- it's, it's it's a very painful painful. <clears> throat> throat> sorry i'm choking on something okay um i think um take your time we're good we just <laughs> want to make sure you have some water and i uh,
2: watched some of the interviews with jeffrey because i couldn't see anything get anything on her and he was very persuasive and it was so interesting because he's so articulate and so good looking in a horrible kind of a way. Thank you so much. And um, he, 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 it was almost like he was trying to figure it out himself. He was trying to analyze, well, there must be something wrong with my brain or something. Um, it was chilling. It was chilling that he was so removed and so detached from these horrendous, uh, horrifying acts that he did. and. In a former life, um, I took in a couple of boys that were vulnerable kids, um, and you know they're just prey. They're looking for love. They just want somebody to understand them, somebody to to be there for them. And then this good-looking, charming guy comes along, and these kids are just anyway. It's tragic. It's really tragic.
1: It was. It is really tragic, and I hope we don't see any of that anymore.
0: Um yeah. but uh, you can figure out a way to catch serial killers a lot earlier based on now based on all the technology we have now compared to then, Michael, and also the thought process when you agree uh Dr Dalal that you know it's much easier to catch people with medical types of things compared to back in the eighties, right to figure out oh, yeah <laughs> C- well,
2: how, can you, how can you stop something before it's happened though? I mean how can you catch a serial killer before he's killed?
0: You could you an after once or twice, and I don't think yeah. you, can get, you get to yeah. get away. further, yeah, it's fast.
1: I yeah. think after the second one, it's uh, and it's as sad as it may be. Um, unless you have some, some, some signs that would really help you to determine there's an issue or not, it's very, very hard before the second. Unfortunately, and as sad as it may be, um, but we also have to watch what people are watching right now. I mean, all the, there's so much craze about everything the kids are watching, especially with all these, the, those computer games that they play. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel real. So the we're, we're, we're killing our emotions, we're killing our morals. There is so much confusion because children are not raised by family anymore. There is, I mean, especially nowadays. I'm not talking about even back then, but I'm talking about nowadays. There is some concerns that I personally have, being a pediatrician myself and training as a, a pediatric oncologist, and and seeing how much cha- the change that we are exposed to the the family dynamic is changing, the 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 the, the Technology is changing so fast. Kids are very fast. Attention deficit is becoming easier to, uh, to get just because everything is moving, moving, moving. So, so it, it really, that, that was a very important story that you really accepted to, opt to, to act um, because you're helping a lot of people to become more aware that that can happen. And it can happen a lot easier than most people even know. so as as hard as it was for you to take that role, I think it really exposed a lot of people
2: Well, I just I, I, I think we have to real we have to as a as a group of people, we have to be aware of what's going on around us. And when we see a child being abused, you have to speak up. I always do. And it doesn't make me popular, but if I see somebody abusing a child, they're gonna hear from me. That's,
0: um, that's huge. When you say, oh my gosh. And we have to speak up when we see a child being abused. We have to speak up when we're seeing things that are not normal that normal, not society, but that our laws, our laws in the United States that's happening, not some people see as normal and not normal, Michael, more about, and Dr. DeLal, more about people that it's just, this is not, this is not in the law. This is not right. This is not the proper way to raise a child. And
2: we got to speak up. Well, I I agree with that. And I think the Waltons, (laughs) it's a good, you know, you should be shown in schools, actually. I think they were good parents on that show. It was kind of a role model. Some some people come up to me and say, you taught me how to be a mother. And I say, no, I didn't, but my character did. Maybe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I just, I just feel with kids. If you see a kid, you've got to speak up because you may not, you can't do anything maybe legally about what's happening on the street if you see some guy bonking his kid in the head or something. But the kid knows that you saw it, and the kid knows that you spoke up, and that what is happening to him is not it's right. It's not
1: okay. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly, doctor. Oh my God, I've never been this popular. I don't know what's going yeah, on. I yeah, apologize. So that,
0: that's okay. That's why we'll. That's why there's the editing room floor. <laughs> I'm so room sorry. Of, of rings, well. and all of a sudden, I'm thank just goodness, so all the different editing uh, process I could do. No, no worries <laughs> about it. That's uh, it is.
1: Weird. You are, you really are popular, and we're very grateful to spend time talking to you, especially about highlighting what you've done so far. It's just right. wonderful. And so, you- how much of you,
0: so I was gonna ask Dr. Galal, and then I'm gonna ask uh, Michael this, how much of you are you Olivia, Olivia Walton in real life? What would you say?
2: Well, I can bake bread. <laughs> I, can bake I loved my kids. Um, I was a good mom. And my kids have grown up to be really nice men. And now I have five grandkids and I adore them. The kids, my kids, I was very lucky because my kids were my joy. I loved my kids. I adored them. I had fun. I remember washing dishes and looking out the window and my son, Luke, when he was about eight and his friend, Hattie, and there was a dog, our dog between them, this big dog and the two kids are sitting there talking with each had a hand on the back of, of, of our dog, Babe. And just thinking, this is heaven. This is just heaven. So I'm lucky that way. I never found it a chore. And I did have help when I was working with a wonderful woman who was like a mother to me and a grandmother to my kids. So, you know, I had the best of both worlds.
1: That is a it's really a gift. Now, how how do you, you look beautiful? I mean, how were you able to stay so healthy and so pretty and no one? I mean, I'm also a little older, but nobody can tell. But how did you maintain that beautiful look? And is it because of your lifestyle or is it because of your happy nature? Because you're, you're a very kind person. What made you stay healthy, young looking and a happy person like you are?
2: Well, I I do eat well. My mother grew up in Europe. So she we were brought up with fresh. In fact, my father grew organic vegetables and things. So we we were fed well as children. And my mother was a great cook. She cooked Italian food. And she's not Italian, but she cooked Italian food. And um, I'm married to a beautiful guy. Now I've been through some hard times in my life. Um, I'm not a happy person. I was a happy child, but I'm not a happy person. I tend to be you know, I tend toward depression, so I have to work at that. But um, I think anybody who's sensitive to anything uh, other than Having a good time and being out of it, I I think you 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 do have your moments of grief and sad. I just lost my dog, and I'm I'm just oh. walking around moping and crying. I feel like I've lost my best friend. Although my best friend is sitting behind me right here, I don't know if you can see my husband. That's John. Oh, of
1: course, he's very handsome.
2: Yes, he is, and a very very wonderful wonderful man.
1: Do you know? With, what do you do about that depression? Um, you know, are you, you know, a lot of time when, when people have a little depression, it could be due to food that you're probably missing. There is some food that is really high in tryptophan that helps to raise up your mood. Like, um, you know, a lot of time, uh, turkey or um, bananas, they are very rich in tryptophan and that helps to boost up the serotonin um, also the gut is where most of the serotonin is made. So eating a little bit healthier and your lifestyle working the hard as, you know, at times it makes us ignore our gastrointestinal tract. So have you ever considered really studying a little bit more about better food for, for mood? Food for mood? <laughs> yeah no yeah I
2: have I mean of course I have over the years but um no I I'm I'm being very naughty lately in my old age I eat too much sugar and that that causes all kinds of, of you know uh, and I awesome. know it but I still like my sugar and I figure I'm old so I get to have it
1: don't say <laughs> that you're not old <laughs> you know have well, you ever in concerned?
2: years in years I'm old in hard I'm not but um yeah, I eat pretty well. I My mother, as I said, um, food was always fresh. Lots of salad, lots of fruit, protein, um, not a lot of fat. And um, I just haven't done much cooking lately. I, my husband is um, always on a diet, <laughs> it seems. And, and he doesn't need to be looking at me. He's gorgeous. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, so I, I I loved cooking for my kids. I loved it back in the day and now cooking is kind of boring so but it. exercise
1: exercising run. also yeah. raises the mood um, dark chocolate is really good for your mood so for dark, dark chocolate is really really <laughs> good especially if you get 85 percent um, you know and it will have very little sugar so that may be another mood enhancer that you may want to, but also exercising is really, really. Oh
2: yeah. I do believe in exercise. I used to dance, uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, a lot of classes are closed, but we're hoping to start up again. And I, right. I went to dance almost every day. And love it. Loved is it.
0: That's going longer, right. To get to the different exercising things compared to other places in the country.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of closed down because of nobody, everybody's scared and it's hard to dance with a mask on your face. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, Michael, what would you want to say to your Walton fans right now, especially 50th anniversary? What would you like to tell them?
2: I just would like to wish everybody a um, a happy Thanksgiving and a mellow Christmas. Uh, Don't go crazy. I always do, but I'm telling you not to. (laughs) Christmas and um Just that I I have not met a fan of the Waltons that I didn't like. And some of them have become lifelong friends. So I feel very grateful for that. Yeah,
0: Excellent. And where is the best place to find info on you? Are are you on social media, Michael, that people can check you out?
2: I'm on Facebook, I think, but I don't really post much. And um, IMBD has kind of my resume, I think. I don't know. I don't check that stuff. So... um, I think IMBD has kind of my, what I've done. It, isn't that funny in this country? It's about what you've done. It isn't about who you are. Exactly, and the projects, any other projects <laughs> you're filling up that you can you say about anything else, other acting you're gonna be doing? Well, later? Yeah. I'm hoping to go to uh, Canada. I was supposed to go this summer, but I fell and broke my wrist oh. to do a Golden Pond with Hal Linden. And uh, so I don't know whether that's gonna come back or not, but um, unfortunately I couldn't do it. Um, so I'm hoping that'll happen. I love working there. I I've been there before, and I love going there. So I'm hoping for that. And if not, I'll just wait for the damn phone to ring and hope it does. It's
0: going to after what you actors like, you know. <laughs> but hey, this is the thing. Whenever an agent sees a specific role after what how well you played as Jeffrey Dahmer's grandmother, I'm um, trust me, the phones will keep ringing off the hook as we've seen in this interview today. So I appreciate <laughs> Thank it. So much. Yeah, it was it's really hard. fun talking to you. Yeah, it was fun got- talking to you guys. And nice meeting all of you. Okay. Oh, it's a pleasure
1: to meet you. I wish you the best. Get your hormones checked. Mwah. Thank
0: you. I will. Thank you. Doctor. All right. Take care, guys. All right. You, you're listening. Watch the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in a we some- We're back to the Neil Haley show and also the media giant effect to the Love Is Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome my co-host, Kim Sorrell, author of Love Is. Kim, how are you? And you're excited about our guests again, because they are another part of this whole cog when it comes to the movie Life Mark.
3: I'm doing great, Neil. Thank you so much. And yes, I'm so excited about the Kendrick Brothers. They have done such amazing things. You guys have done such amazing things. I think Neil grew a beard just to fit in with you guys today. <laughs> but <laughs> life, we'll Mark, it. courageous. My word, you people have changed lives and had themes on movies. I don't know what your first videos were like when you were kids, but holy cow, the things that you have done have been astounding, and I appreciate you so much, what you've done in the world of Christian films and the lives that you've touched. And I I personally know marriages that were saved because of Fireproof. You guys mm. are amazing, and dads that changed because of Courageous. And anyway, can't wait to talk to you guys. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank um, you so much. Good to you. be with you. You're very kind. We no, know, guys, we know how, that God, God, God has done it.
0: How did this start? How did this all start? How did you guys this become a partnership with you two? Like, how did that happen? Well,
5: yeah, so we had finished the movie Overcomer a few years ago. Kirk Cameron gives us a call, says, guys, you got to look at this short documentary on this true story about an 18-year-old girl who at the last second rolls off the abortion table, walks out of the clinic, decides to place her child for adoption instead of aborting it. And a Christian couple adopted this baby, named him David. And when David grew up, when he was about 18, 19 years old, he got to cross paths and meet that biological mother. And um, that was recorded by a friend. And we saw that uh, original footage. It's actually a part of a short little documentary called I Lived on Parker Avenue. And uh, so Kirk Cameron showed it to us. Man, we all teared up and said, this is a beautiful story that that uh, that has the value of life, the beauty of adoption. And there's lots of twists and turns. So that is what Life Mark is. And so we turned it into a feature film that is now available on Pure Flix and DVD and Blu-ray in December.
3: Well, and and it got its beginning in the theaters and stayed longer than maybe you thought it was going to. Can you tell us about that?
4: Yeah, well they usually when Fathom will do a release it's two nights, three nights and they gave us 7 days starting on a Friday night which was unprecedented for them and uh and then it kept getting extended because people kept going to see it. It ended up being I think number 3 in Fathom's history. And so we we've been grateful because people have really supported the film and it's been shocking at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews not only with the reviewers, but also with the audiences that they have raved about this movie. We did multiple things that were out of the box for us. It was a true story, so we're interviewing the real lives, trying to pick the most powerful moments to incorporate in the film. We also de-aged Kirk Cameron and Rebecca Rogers 20 years for these flashback sequences and it works, you know, we were wondering, are we going to be able to pull this off? And so, but the movie does take you on an emotional roller coaster of twists and turns. We're so grateful now that people are going to be able to watch it at home on pure Flix this week with Thanksgiving with their families. Mm -hmm. In fact, pure Flix is doing a whole new thing where for 99 cents, you can sign up uh, for the first two months, uh, only 99 cents a month for people can, can access that giant library they have of, Family friendly films, faith-friendly films. It's a really a good alternative to Amazon Prime, Netflix, those things out there because you can know that you can trust the content that's up there. And Life Mark is being released starting today.
0: So you got to be excited about that. You got to be excited about. So did you think the film was going to do this well when you guys? because uh, w- you've had successful films before? So did you know, hey, you know, we the Kendrick Brothers are going to have another one?
5: Well, this is our first Fathom event, and Fathom events traditionally do one to two million. This one did over five million. So, Fathom was thrilled with that. Uh, But the fact that it's going to be in countries all over the world, multiple languages. And so, you know, even looking at the back of the DVD the numerous languages and we loved packing on this thing on the DVD and Blu-ray as well as the uh, the the download uh, in mi- uh available in mid December every special feature you would want about the story the process mm-hmm. of filmmaking from bloopers and deleted scenes uh to the the heart behind the the movie and we're just very grateful how it came together and excited to
4: show it And and Neil, to answer your question, Alex and I figured out that we've basically been wrong on predicting how every film that we've done (laughs) is going to do. We're like, we've had some, we thought, oh, this is going to blow up the box office. And then it does, you know, less than we think. And then others that we think, oh, it's just barely going to scrape by and then it explodes and we're like... So even with this one, the 100% Rotten Tomatoes, we've never had anything even close to that. Right. So we've been scratching our heads, going, "Man, the responses to Life Mark have been fantastic." And then to read the reviews of the uh, the uh, you know the viewers in the audience, what they're saying about it, it's not just "Hey, I enjoyed this film." But I was moved so deeply, or this is my story, or everybody needs to see this. So uh, we felt that way the first time we saw the documentary. And we knew that if we could capture that emotion that we felt in the documentary, that the movie would work. But I think God just answered a whole lot of prayers in helping us to get it into the finish line. Kirk did a great job in this movie. And uh, we think it's going to be a rewatcher for people. And we think that they will not only be moved emotionally, but it, we hope to save a lot of lives and change a lot of hearts in the process. So.
3: Absolutely. Yes. You know, I, when I saw the movie, I think I cried more than any other movie. And wow. I think I laughed maybe more than any other movie. Did <laughs> such a great job of this incredible balance of keeping some humor in so that I'm not just crying the entire movie. I appreciate that very much. Who's the, who's the genius behind that? The both of you together or who's the,
5: who's the one? Well, it's hard to say that somebody is the one. I would say we're grateful for a great team. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had a wonderful team helping to put this together. And the fact that we got to include the real people that the movie is about in the whole process. And so uh, the the writing was interesting because we interviewed um the the people that this movie is about and included much of the actual dialogue that they actually had. And anytime that that uh, pieces were recorded in real life, like when they were meeting each other and there were cameras rolling, we included the actual dialogue in the movie. So I don't know how brilliant that is that we just yeah. <laughs> copy pasted the actual dialogue, but the, the it's such a powerful story that just to tell the story, was a blessing and amazing for us.
4: I would also say that Alex and I, uh, as we're interacting with our own kids, our wives, and we're interacting with other people in ministry, uh, we see how God can take people in very dark, broken situations and redeem their lives. And many times it brings us to tears as we hear those stories, as we watch the original documentary. But also, we like to laugh a lot. (laughs) And uh, sometimes in the midst of the emotion, we're laughing at funny things that are happening in the same context. And so when we're writing together and when we're interacting with one another and we're praying together, a lot of times we're in tears talking about a scene or we're laughing. And we hope that that translates into the movie because as we're editing, sometimes we'll realize, you know, we got 10 jokes here. Three of them don't work, we're gonna take those out, but we're gonna keep these other seven because they do work and we hope the audience will enjoy them.
0: And I think that's the key thing is being able to have them enjoy enjoy it and coming up with those ideas. So how much work does it take place to make change it, make a document take a documentary and make it a feature fi- film? I mean, that's not the easiest thing in the world, right? You're gonna to have to really no. do a lot of research, look at the different things, put all that together to make it, but also make it entertaining, right?
5: That's exactly right. And it's important to us that whoever watches the story has those moments, uh, those tender moments where you may tear up as well as laughter, as well as uh, wondering, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? And so that that uh, we had a good team of counselors because we're not just creating stuff. We're wanting to uh, be loyal to what actually happened, mm-hmm. but how to form that in a, in a movie, you know, hour and a half to two hour process and make it work that that is a little bit difficult but at the same time so grateful for the team around us the producers um the the uh, actors the the real people willing to be on set and give us counsel we had the and some of the most emotional scenes of the movie the the real people it was about were standing right there saying this is how i felt this is why i acted this way or this is what i said so we were able to incorporate that into the movie with the actors right there and so it was it was a different process but we really enjoyed it And we've never been able to uh, have an experience where people watch a feature
4: film and immediately they want to go watch the true story documentary that is available online for anybody to see for free. And so there's so many people have watched the movie. And then they immediately go watch the documentary. And they're like, man, I totally am seeing where all this came from. And I can't believe how realistic this was portrayed. The thing I like about the feature film, though, is we're able to go into the hearts and minds of the people through the flashbacks. But we're also able to pull a lot of nuggets and power moments in their lives that was not featured in a 30-minute documentary. So uh, we feel like it's the best of both worlds. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guilty people. I immediately went and watched the documentary. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see why people would do that. And it was fabulous. It was so great to see them side by side. And when mm-hmm. we talked to David, we were able to interview David. And what a great guy, first yes. of all. But secondly, he said that that he felt so validated. Like you guys were calling him when you had a question about something. You made sure that it was his story. Right. And, and not all films do that. There's a lot of people that get really upset the way their life is portrayed on on the big screen. So kudos for that. How did that work out for you guys?
5: Well, it was it was fun to include them. And the fact that uh, David uh, and Melissa Coles, the birth mother and the Scottens, the 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 family, the adoptive family, Uh, The fact that they were there with us uh, walking through it, you know, and and they're going to be ministers of this movie and promote it as well for them to be able to say, yes, they did a good job with the accuracy and including us in this whole process. We're not just looking for movies to do and another gig to do. We want Mm -hmm. these movies to touch lives and change hearts. And and this movie was such a beautiful example of, you know, everybody's story is different, but this movie was a beautiful example of how it could go. Uh, if you apply love, if you include the Lord. And so Life Mark just was a great representation of that. And and as you said, to see David now, he is a lawyer now, newly married. He One of the things he does is help other families adopt children. How beautiful is that? I mean, that he was. Yeah. Go ahead. He's a great guy. I mean, we got to talk. Kim and yes. I talked to him. Talk, fantastic
0: guy for sure. And that's the great. He's showing exactly why life is such an important part of everything. That's definitely. Great, great what you're talking about for sure.
4: Well, and when Alex called me the first time he saw I lived on Parker Avenue, he said, I immediately liked this guy in the first few minutes. And I wanted to go on a journey with him. And then when we met the Scottons, they are a, a fun family family. Uh, and the kindness that they have demonstrated. We did want to honor all the people that were involved. We didn't want anybody to be offended. It's You're always juggling everybody's story, trying to figure out how to balance it out. One of the things I love about LifeMark is you get to see the journey of this uh, crisis, unwanted pregnancy, the decisions that the teenagers are making, the life of the of the baby growing up, you get to see the adoption perspective of the parents and the friends, the grandparents, their involvement, the meeting later on that takes place between all the family. It kind of gives you this fuller understanding of how much is involved in one person's journey and in one person's life. And so yeah. we tried to balance that and how the story unfolded. But uh, we, we think that The people have been blessed by it. We've been hearing incredible stories already of people making decisions about adoption or life. And uh, we're so glad that it's going to get to be available now to the rest of the world. All right,
0: Kim, quick question about love is, go ahead, Kim.
3: So you guys, I decided I would live a year to figure out the true meaning of love and I found it, which is amazing, right? Because it's like this mystery, but God is love. So it's something you can be, not just an emotion. And so, what did it mean? I, I was diagnosed with cancer. Four months later, my husband was, and he died six weeks after that from pancreatic oh. cancer. And it, but it sent me on this journey because I, I had yes. to do something. And mostly I was in Haiti when I did it. It was sort of an eat, pray, love experience, actually, kind of crazy. And um, I wrote a book about it, Love Is. And so, if you're looking for your next movie, keep that in mind. Okay. A <laughs> little pitch, you know, just for fun. But I'm always curious, uh, like you guys, you each have six kids. I don't know if you're battling back and forth, one of you having one. So the other one, you had to quick have another one or however <laughs> it worked for you. I've got two brothers with four kids each. I've got five. And so we kind of did that in a way. I don't know. But love is obviously a huge part of everything you do. love is why mm-hmm. you seem to be in the business that you're even in and what you pick for your themes and I'm just curious, like what what is love to you guys? Like, how does love play into the Kendrick's brothers? What you guys do?
5: You want to start? Wow. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh God is love. He created love. He is the best definition of love. And uh, and what do we do with our entire society? Most songs on the radio are about love. Most movies. Um, have an aspect of love, or trying to figure out what love is, and so love is is a primary ingredient to life itself. And so, mm-hmm. for us to know the Lord and be able to point people to Him is one way we can love people. Presenting truth and love because they have to be balanced. Truth is important, but truth without love is painful and hard to receive, but truth and love together is a great balance. And so one of our goals with each of our films is trying to uh, present what we are saying in story form with truth and love. And so that is an ingredient and a motivation for each of our films. I, I would add
4: to that, that God has wired us as relational beings in his full intention is that we are loved by him and we love him back. You know, he the greatest commandment Jesus said is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh Jesus said the fulfillment of all the law is when we choose to love because I'm not going to lie to you or commit adultery or steal from you or murder you if I love you and if he if we will do what Jesus did and focus in on love then all these other positive things will be as a result of that. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh it's it says love is not rude, selfish, irritable, angry, but when it says love is, it gives us two things. Love is patient and it's kind. Kindness is love on the offense, taking initiative uh to meet other people's needs and to 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 be right where they are and patience is love on the defense when we are attacked, when evil, when uh, when wrong things happen, for us to be able to respond, to be slow to anger and give people grace, that's undeserved. And so when we see that parallel in First Corinthians 13, uh, it says in Romans 5 that the Holy Spirit is actually the one that pours out God's love into our hearts. And he also enables us to love other people. So when we give our lives to Jesus, We are basically embracing the cross of Christ, which is the greatest selfless sacrifice to meet our greatest need. And when Jesus did that, and we're receiving his love and placing our faith in his cross, not only does he open up our hearts and pour out love into us, but he enables us then to love not only our friends, but our enemies, and which doesn't even make sense to the world. And so uh, this invitation to love that God has, is through our relationship with Jesus. Both Alex and I, our lives have been transformed by the gospel of Christ. And because of it, God has put a love in our hearts, not only for him, but for other people. And it does translate into our filmmaking because we're not just trying to sell movie tickets. We want to bless and help and bring healing and hope to the hearts of the people who are sitting in the theater with popcorn in their laps, who were struggling in their families and struggling with purpose in life and struggling in their walk with God. And so, yes, we want to entertain them. But more important than that, we hope to bring a message of truth in a loving way that will touch their hearts and lead them into a growing relationship with Christ. And so uh, love is everything to us because God, God is love, like you said.
0: That's just tremendous how you were able to bring all that. Best place, again, I'll be right now. It's available on Pure Flix as of November 22nd today and December 12th, right? It's available. December 13th.
4: Or December 13th, 15th.
0: yeah. It's available. There you go. That's it, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. It was such a great, great
4: Christmas time. gift.
0: Great Christmas <laughs> gift. Got to go ahead and do that. That's the time, right? And Black Friday as yeah. well. So I appreciate That's it, guys. Right. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank All you, guys. All that right. All right. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show, also the media giant effect. I'm excited to welcome to my co-host, Kim Sorrell, author of Love Is Kim. how? What's going on? How are you?
3: Neil, I'm doing great. I'm in my car, of all places, out and about today.
0: That's it, what you need to happen. do. We need to be in <laughs> the pandemic. We can't be just stuck in a place, and you'll be seeing this a lot for me. So I like seeing my co hosts do the same thing. We got to be traveling, meeting people, doing things, not stuck in one place. That's my big my takeaway. But we have an amazing guest, so go ahead and introduce our guest.
3: Oh, my word. Okay, so Laura Silva is beautiful, gorgeous, talented, unbelievable. I love, love Eden. I love the character that you play. Married to a crazy man. (laughs) (laughs) I am so curious to (laughs) ask you so many things. Like, is your husband anything? Is your husband Steven anything? Like, Simon, I mean, it's you do just such an amazing job. I just love the character. I love what you do with it. And I would just love to hear more about you. It is so wonderful to meet you. Thank you, Kim.
6: I have a huge smile on my face. That was so sweet. I so appreciate that. That is awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear you're a huge fan and of Eden as well. Um, Yeah, it's been such such a gift to be able to play Eden because we don't know a lot about her. So it was so, so amazing to be able to bring who I am, Lada, and what makes me me, into her. So like that, that strong woman of faith. And, you know, I didn't come into my faith until later in life. So it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I went through life almost to, to play her and get to play her now. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And to answer your question, my husband, Stephen, he is a little bit, he does have a little bit of an Italian temper, very rare. It's never like directed at me, but I know he can get a little (laughs) A little like, you know, boiling, and so um, I've been able to pull off of real experience to handle Simon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you know, it, it is what it is for sure. But I think that the it's got to be amazing to be part of a project that's getting such popularity. The chosen, I mean, it's huge, right? Absolutely. I mean, yes.
6: It's, it's growing, like, I mean, just the, the worldwide views and the, you know, our app and, and where now how we're streaming season one and two, you can find it everywhere almost, you know, but whether it's Amazon or Peacock and um, and now that we have episodes one and two of season three being released in over 2000 screens, you know, nationwide, it's just, it's it's almost like it's growing faster than we can keep up with it. And that's been mind blowing. I have to like pinch myself. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it, it is an amazing show. There's no doubt about it and sheds light on so many different things, but you're right. Eden is not a character that is, um, that you read about, uh, all throughout the Bible, you know, all throughout the new Testament when, um, Simon Peter's around. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, how has that been like for a character development and whatever? Cause you only had so much to draw on probably.
6: Right. Yeah. Between, uh, what I had to do honestly was a lot of prayer. Cause I was so anxious to, to have this responsibility of, of playing a character from the Bible that you don't really know a lot about, except for that Jesus healed, um, her mother, you know, Simon Peter's, um, uh, mother-in-law. So you, you hear that side of it, but then you don't know, okay, well, how, how was their mayor? How was their marriage? And, and what could have, you know, what was it like to be married to a fisherman who is in debt and now is <laughs> following Jesus? And, um, you know, it's, it's been incredible. It's been challenging for sure. But, uh, I, 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 I don't know how <laughs> I've been able to do it, honestly, just with supernatural, um, power and help and, and then just relying and staying true to who, I am to bring her to life so that what you're seeing on screen um, is authentically me in, in that moment as Eden, if that makes sense. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: a great answer. answer. I love that answer. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to kind of go add on to this, this kind of role once you got in the chosen versus some of your other roles in your career, it's Mm -hmm. must be great to be able to share your faith on set and things like that compared to some places where you're not able to.
6: Right. Yes, it is. I I try to um, just honestly keep keep that in mind, even when I'm on a regular set. I'm not always. Um, it's not always as as easy or welcoming to to share your story. Um, but if somebody asks, you know, I just try to be. I just try to walk in that light so that people can see the joy, you know, that that I do have and the life that I do live. Um, I, I hope that. Others will will, I don't know, be open-minded and open-hearted to to kind of see you know that I am trying, like I am trying to be um, bold and and um, kind of be able to tell my story and how I got to acting because I was uh, open and, and to you know to I'm sorry, <laughs> open to um, to to Jesus coming into my life and helping me get there if that makes sense. Um so yeah, it's uh it's it's a huge huge part of um uh, my life because I wouldn't have gotten to the chosen without God honestly and and really listening and, and opening up to to him. So
3: yeah, wow, I I love that. I love what you're having to say. It's amazing how yeah, when you do you know, just listen when you pray and listen and believe mm-hmm. and want so badly to do what god wants you to do how the doors open right. um, and it is it's a whole different life yeah absolutely yeah and certainly it has had an effect on your life even though you've been in, interested though since childhood right about acting and yeah i i uh in elementary school i went to a uh, performing
6: arts school and we put on dances and shows and plays and and then after that i didn't i didn't do it um again i i honestly just continued through regular you know schools that i didn't do any other performing arts i didn't um i didn't pursue it uh, i just thought that it was something that was fun that i did and then that was that so after high school when i went into college and i felt misplaced and was going in, I went into the sciences and I I loved it and I was good at it, but I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel this like burning passion in my soul. And it wasn't until I pursued acting and honestly pursued Jesus to help me because what a, what a crazy industry to try to go into almost at like a later age. A lot of actors start when they're, you know, when as, as children and I didn't take my first acting class until my mid twenties. So um, it's been mind blowing and and kind of a testament to show that God doesn't really have timelines. And, you know, I may feel unqualified as I sit here (laughs) in this interview and how I'm I'm on the show. I, I still feel like, wow, how am I, how am I the one that was chosen to do this? But that's a testament to, to God that he doesn't care about all of that. He doesn't care that you went to the fanciest school or not um, that when you're following your purpose and you're doing what you're supposed to do and following him, uh, literal miracles <laughs> can happen.
0: Now, uh, Kim yeah. wrote a book called love is and go ahead with your love is
6: question. Kim.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So Laura, I, I did write this book. I, uh, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and four months later, my husband was, and he passed away six weeks after that and oh. it made me question the the real meaning of love, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of a mystery, but but John says that God is love. So not that, yeah. John, not that God loves, but he is love, right? And so mm-hmm. figuring out what that means, I went on this year-long quest and search for the true meaning and found out some things about love that were uh, mind-blowing, like really life-changing. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm always curious, like um, love love to you, uh, what has it been to you? What is, what is love like in your life?
6: love has been truly life-saving for me because i don't always love myself and i'm <laughs> i'm very sensitive and um growing up i've always been told that that is not something that we that you should be that you need to be strong and you know um and uh and honestly love has saved my life Um, because I know that I was created from love and that God truly does love us and who we are and for us to just be proud of of who we are and and to stand firm in that. So (laughs) I don't know what the answer is, but that's what I've got.
3: (laughs) I love it. That's a beautiful, beautiful answer.
0: (laughs) So where's best place we can connect with you and also You said it's available in theaters as well?
6: Yes. Yeah. Episodes one and two will be available in theaters November 18th. And um, we can get those at the chosen tickets.com. And um, we're so excited uh, for you all to see what we've worked so hard on for season three. And um, for me, we, you can connect with me on, um, on uh, social media. I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's
1: it. <laughs>
6: Excellent.
0: Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by.
6: Thank you. Appreciate All right. it. <laughs>
0: All right, you're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. and We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect, and it's oh my gosh, it's Thanksgiving time and the National Dog Show presented by. Will be hosted by award-winning TV personalities, author, Broadway star John O'Hurley. Uh, Seinfeld and Dancing the Stars, an expert analyst and American Kennel Club licensed judge, David Fry. David and John, thanks for stopping by. It's exciting to have you back on and to talk again. Another year of the Dog Show.
7: Another you year. You. Twenty-one years make it. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been wonderful. 20, a family tradition on Thanksgiving Day.
0: Absolutely, twenty-one years is amazing to think about. Specifically enough in the memories and the different things. But John, there's some new things coming up this year, right? Uh, a new, a new. uh Group uh, that we're going to be judging, right?
7: Well, we do. We have three new breeds. Uh, This is one of them, right here. Oh, she's he's excited, Ryder. (laughs) This is Ryder.
8: He's a moody. He is a Hungarian herding dog that was recognized by the AKC uh, for for competition this year. Um, You see a lot of them in Hungary, obviously. A number of them in Finland, but not very many anywhere else. We just got finally enough of them in this country for the AKC to recognize him, but a beautiful medium-sized uh, working farm dog that's uh, got a great temperament and attitude as well. We also got the Bracco Italiano as a new breed in the sporting group. Uh, it is a pointing dog, a bird dog of of some substance. It's a little bigger than most of the other sporting dogs that we see working in the field. And that's so it can run right through all the briars and the brambles. Uh, uh, this is a... Beautiful moving dog that it's very elegant. You see them probably in a lot of artwork that looks like it's coming from the estates of the gentrymen in in the uh, in on the continent.
7: So we have those two,
8: and we have a toy dog. John. Yeah, it's
7: a little uh, Russian toy. Actually, is what we have. If you imagine something as diminutive as a Chihuahua, but uh, put little Papillon ears on it, little butterfly ears. That's uh, that's what they are, and they have uh, they've, they've they've caught the attention of many right now. It's uh, it's quite a cute little animal. So everyone's excited, and every year you guys are probably hearing all the feedback. They cannot wait to the dog
0: show again, especially how many people love dogs, right? And each year it really, it really is, and it's
7: it's remarkable that we we're garnering an audience globally now of a uh, over thirty million people. Uh, it's become uh, you know an international. Um, has international appeal to it now so it's wonderful to see it uh you know become uh, the family tradition here in the states on the great family day but also something that people are watching worldwide.
0: All right, one of my fans has a question uh for you David. Uh it involves their shih tzu brussels Griffin mix. Why does she love socks so much? It's her quirky <laughs> obsession and she goes nuts when she sees socks. Why does she I love think that's, socks so much? I,
8: I think that's kind of a universal thing, but it probably has something to do with scent. I would say it's, her, it's the scent of her, of her human partner that she wants to be near to. Our dogs always want to be with us and do everything with us. Somebody once said to me, geez, don't you wish they could talk? And I said, no, first of all, I don't want them talking too much. <laughs> and secondly, I know what they would say. They would say, me too, me too. They want to be with you every, everything you do, everywhere you go. And uh, that's what makes it so, so much fun at the dog show. You get to see all of that in action.
0: Oh, thanks for that question. And, and John, what would you say you've learned most about being part of this, and especially from
7: David about dogs compared to? Well, yeah. You know, let's let's be honest. Uh, If I was speaking for every man in the country, I would say that most of us are aware of maybe four or five different uh, dog breeds because we've seen them around our neighborhood. Uh, The AKC has is currently registered two hundred and eight of them breeds and varieties. Uh, That's a huge number. Uh, And uh, when we started this back in two thousand two, we only had one hundred and sixty five breeds. And you can see how it's grown in the time that we've been on the air. So it's wonderful to not only uh, watch the new breeds that come into the show, but to recognize the diversity of breeds that uh, of, of all shapes, sizes, some have hair, some have no hair, some have corded coats. Uh, it's it's really quite remarkable uh, to see all the different varieties and, and to see that every one of them had a form and a function that have a written specification of what the perfect, uh, uh, Representative of that breed should be, and that's what they're being judged against. It's not just the cuteness factor,
0: all right. Well, you know, that's the, the exciting thing and what to expect. And you guys are going to be together again. Uh, David, again, tune in right after the parade, right on Thursday on
8: NBC. That's it, 12 at noon in all time zones, and also it repeats on Saturday night at eight o'clock on NBC, uh, in all time zones. So you get two chances to see us, and, and you'll get, I'm sure, that that it will be shown a little bit on Peacock over the course of the year as well. But catch us now, come on Thanksgiving day. When you're waiting for that Turkey, Uh, hold on to the remote so the football guys can't get it and uh, come and see us.
7: Yep. Sit down with the dog next to you,
0: (laughs) John, any final notes to your fans, John, uh, about uh, what's going on? In
7: life no. well be part of be part of a large audience and also our, our uh, presenting sponsor uh Purina has a wonderful interactive game that they'll be doing uh playing during the uh during the show uh it's uh, it's called game show sweepstakes and if you go to G- game Show, or excuse yep. me dog show sweepstakes John come on Dog show sweepstakes.com you can register and it's basically a bingo like game that you'll see certain clues uh during the run of the show uh, and if you can match up five in a row or five on an angle or five down, uh, you just go back and register there on dogshowsweepstakes.com and you'll be eligible for prizes from our rip, our uh, wonderful sponsor, Pure All
0: right. You're, thanks, guys. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll Thank be you. back in just a moment.